This episode is sponsored by Cards Against Humanity. They asked us not to read an ad. Enjoy! It is the Chicagoverse podcast on the Dynasty Podcast Network, featuring interviews with Chicago's premier artists and industry and creatives and culture leaders. Hosted by Haima Black. Welcome to Chicago. All right. Haima Black, live from Virgin Hotel for Dynasty Podcast. Uh, and I am here tonight with Josh Terry. How are you doing, man? I'm really good. Thanks for having me. Dude, thank you for coming up. Yeah, of course. Um, you and I got to like chat a little bit before the mics were on, kind of catch up. Um, how are you doing? Like, how's the year treating you? Like, feel like, I feel like you're doing cool things right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. This has been kind of a crazy year, but um, yeah, uh, I'm freelancing full time right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I left Red Eye uh, in the beginning of March, so okay. took a month off. I needed uh, after two years of having a full time job and not using uh, all of my vacation days. I sort of had to like take a breather, <laughs> sit back. And then, uh, yeah, I've been uh, freelancing for a few sites right now. The ones that have been published already have been for Noisy. Mm-hmm. And it's been really cool. Like, I kind of really like working from home and, like, choosing my own hours. Like, Dude, There's something to be said for working from home. Oh, it's amazing. It's, like, <laughs> I know for some people, like, I live alone. Mm-hmm. I know for some people, they're like, oh, I couldn't do that if I don't see people every day, if I'm not working around people. Yeah. And I'm like, no, no, no. I, li- I like just, like getting into my thing and just doing that and not having to bother people. Yeah, it's it, it it's really fun. And it can be really either... Um, yeah, it can either be really uh, productive or it could not be. And right, then, yeah, yeah, with yeah. With the freelance life, sometimes you could just not be productive. <laughs> you know, waste a day. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I want to talk about all the cool stuff you're doing right now, but I would love to get some backstory because we've never really gotten to do that with you. We had you on a panel yeah. last year, and it was a really killer panel. It was a music journalism panel. Um, with like Lior from the Reader, with jo- um, Josh Terry, with yeah. Corbin Reef, with Tiffany Walden. Yeah, it and, was a lot of fun, dude. I, and so, first off, I guess thank you for doing that. Yeah, because that was a blast. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. Um, but I'd love to kind of get some backstory because, like, I would love to know like how music journalism started for you. Like, when did this really like begin and enter your life? Um, well, it officially began for me like in 2012. Okay. Um, for so for some backstory, I actually never wanted to do this as a career. <laughs> uh, I think the most it got, like I went to school for psychology. And okay. I was like this close to going to grad school for psychology. Like the closest I ever got to like even dreaming about being a music journalist was probably setting up one of those like uh, mid to late 2000s MP3 blogs. You right. know what I mean? Where which which everybody... Like, yeah, 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 which everyone did anyway. But like I, I was just like, okay, here's a cool band from like St. Louis or Cincinnati or something. And then, like, there's the link. And that's all I wanted to do. I would send, I would make mixtapes for friends. But uh, I was an English minor on top of being a psychology major. And I had to take an internship. And then so I aimed high and uh, applied to the AV club. Right on. And then ended up getting it. Nice. And I had no idea what that entailed. Um, Like, I had no writing clips. Uh, They were like, can you send some, like, relevant writing clips? And I send them like a research paper I did for psychology. <laughs> I was a complete so green. I was a total idiot. That's um, amazing. But then like when I when I somehow I got accepted, I the interview went really well and um I thought I would just be like doing Excel spreadsheets or like getting people coffee. Sure. But no, they were like, all right, uh like literally after my orientation they're like, okay, uh Jen Wastner of Y Oak released a song on her solo project. Write about it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like, yeah. And then so I like stared at the screen for 10 minutes and then wrote it. Like I was just like, if I freak out about this, 
I'm not coming back. Right. And I just did it. And then... You just jumped in the pool yeah, and, and then got out. I just started doing news items for them. And that was, like, a really cool experience because you got I got to experience, like, what it's like to be in a breaking news room where mm-hmm. it's like, here's all this pop culture news. Write about it. You know? And, like, the editor will expect it within the hour. You know? So you have to ha- do it. You have to have clean copy. No spelling errors. You know? Right. And the AV Club has a really distinctive voice. Like, I like the AV Club's writing. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been reading it ever since I was, like, in high school. Oh, yeah. And I've, like... Like, that's why they're the first people that I ever reached out to. Because, like, I've been a huge fan my whole life. When the AV Club really transferred to digital, I think that they were just... Like, they're still... They're great. I'm not Mm -hmm. remotely putting them down now. But, like, when they transferred to digital, I think they were really, like, leading the way in a lot of ways with pop culture writing before everyone kind of caught on to that. Like, you look at, like, what Nathan Rabin and, like, Keith Phipps and, like, Tasha Robinson and a lot of those people were doing, you know, early on. And I think that set the tone for a lot of the pop writing on the internet that followed. Yeah, I definitely so, agree. Yeah, they yeah. Were, it was really cool to be, because uh, when I started, they were still at the AV Club, so it was really cool to see right. some of my favorite writers just, like, sitting in an office. <laughs> I had no idea what it would like to be in a newsroom, and it was cool, yeah. My little onion story, as an aside, is uh, my senior year of high school, which was, like, 2000, 2001, so a long time ago, but I got to intern for The Onion at the end of my high school career, and this is when they were like, I don't know where they were when you were there. Right. But it, like they were in a little room at Clark and Belmont above what used to be the Silver District or Taboo Taboo or one of those kind of places. Yeah. We like were just downtown. like tucked away. Yeah. Wow. Like right in the heart of like when that was still an alternative neighborhood. So mm-hmm. like it was very much that. Like, the whole experience can basically be summed up, like, when Bart Simpson visited Mad Magazine for, like, five minutes in a Simpsons episode yeah. where they go to New York. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, wow. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it was a much bigger office, much nicer office. Um, I, yeah. they, the office they're currently at was, uh, I actually have been only for, like, happy hours. I actually never worked there. So I was at the tail end of their previous office. Okay. And it was really cool. Like, that sort of set me up, like, just being in the newsroom and writing, like, about music, like, I would do four or five posts a day. And it's, like, going from having no experience to, like, even though they're short news items, like, you still learn a lot about writing and learn a lot about editing. Well, and if it's short, you almost have to kind of, like, work a little harder because you got to get right right. to the point and only put in what really needs to be in there. Right, and it's, like, when you're reading those things, like, because I've always just been a fan, you never really think about, like the lead or why it's written that way or why they did that joke instead of a more obvious joke. So it was like... Right. And so having an editor like uh, Mara Eakin was the music editor at the mm-hmm. time. So yep. I was her intern. And having her make my jokes funnier and having her sort of like... <laughs> having that editor to basically be like, okay, like, this is this is fine, but here's how we make it good was right. like the most, the best kind of like experience that I should, could have gotten at, when I was that green. You know, so how does that bring you from the AV Club, from like a really great starting foundation with the AV Club, to your role with Red Eye that you had? Okay, so that was my senior year of college, so right. five years ago. Um, so yeah, so I graduated. I was thinking about going to grad school in New York or wherever, and then I decided, why would I spend so much money to do something that I'm not sure I'm good at? Right. Like I'm not sure I'm good at music writing, but like this is a lot more fun. And I can start now. And then so I cold pitched a bunch of editors. And then after uh, graduating, I ended up at Consequence of Sound. 
Right, yeah. yeah Which so, is another like great, really quality site that has a great yeah. distinctive voice. Yeah, a gr- also a great Chicago publication. Yes, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, that was also the same thing. Like, I did uh, features and album reviews for them, and then I also did news uh, three or four days a week. So by the time it, I worked there for a little under two years, and by the time I got the red-eye job, I had, like, 900 things under my byline. So it was like I was constantly writing and also like constantly reading, reading other writers and trying to hone my voice. So Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And so like I was I covered national things. So like the th- the some of the articles I'm most proud of were like first US press for bands like Pup. Yeah. Or yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. like young bands like the Districts and like they're like I wrote a lot about Americana, a lot about indie rock and a lot about rap. It I, felt like you really covered a lot of the like fest bands. Yeah, like I did. Florida, yeah, you know? the ones that were like starting out and then now are like getting higher and higher bills. Right, yeah. yeah. And then between Consequence, I was also doing album reviews for the AV Club. Like I reviewed Twin Peaks, uh, Wild Onion back in the day. Sure. And so it's just like always writing and always trying to figure out new ways to do it. Um, and then when the Red Eye job uh, popped up, I applied and like ended up getting it. And then so that's when I started thinking about local music rather than just writing about everything. Well, and when you, you know, to kind of set the, the table a little bit, and you can go into greater detail, mm. like when you arrived at Red Eye, it was kind of a changing of the guard moment, it looked like. Yeah. It was like Ernest Wilkins and Jessica Galliard, uh, who were like really incredible talents, had kind of graduated from Red Eye. They had, right. I think they had built a really great foundation of like steering Red Eye towards more of like a music and I think culture focus than they maybe had previously. Absolutely. And yeah. so like, what was it like coming in where it seemed like there was kind of like that new class arriving? Well, when I was hired, um, I the my role at Red Eye changed drastically from what I was really hired to do. Mm-hmm. Um, like focusing on young local artists was definitely part of it, but mm-hmm. I was I was reviewing like Adele records and like mainstream stuff, and which was really fun. But I was just like, we have this outlet where people read on the train every day. And we have this one of the best music communities on the planet. Absolutely. And I'm just like, we could cover so many more things. Like, I come from, like, like in college, and I still do, I went to a lot of house shows. You know, right, like, yeah. Twin Peaks, like, five years ago, played in my friend's basement. You know, and, like, seeing all these bands and, like, knowing people in this community, I was like, there isn't really anyone in Chicago, except for the reader, like, that's doing it. You know right. what I mean? And I'm like... We can put a band like Meatwave on the cover. You know well, what I mean? And that was right when... So what year was this again? I got hired... Um, my first day at Red Eye was February of 2015. Okay. Yeah. So this is right when, like, again, to set a little bit of the table, like Q101's local... Like Q101 in general, the radio yeah. station, have been off the air since 2011. There wasn't really, like, a hyper-local-focused radio presence. Mm-hmm. And so, like, obviously, everybody is, of course, covering, like, the chance and save money wave. But then all of a sudden, like, the rock community in Chicago, which up to when Key One wanted up been on the air, like, had always been represented. Mm-hmm. Like, this used to be, like, very much, like, a rock city. This was a guitar city. This was Urge Overkill, right. Smashing Pumpkins, Liz Bear. And then there was kind of a window between, like, Key One going off and, yeah, like, Red Eye kind of picking up that baton and, like, Reader, of course, doing it. Where I just, yeah, it didn't feel like rock was really getting its story told almost anywhere. Yeah. Which is weird. I mean, Chicago music and, like, any sort of, uh, like, localized community is always cyclical. Right. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes it's, like, Chicago rock band's time to shine. Sometimes it's the rap community. Sometimes it's electronic. It's weird now that it feels like everything is having its moment. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Like, and for a minute, 
a little bit before Chance blew up, it kind of felt like the story of this decade was going to be like, well, electronic music. Like, this right. is the electronic decade. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it's kind of switched from, like, Cascade and Corella to, like, obviously where we are now. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's fascinating. It, it was really cool. I think I got in <clears throat> to cover Chicago music and uh, at the right moment. You right. know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it would have been great to have been the local reporter for like 10 day, you know, sure. it would have been really cool to have been there. Like I went to the shows as a fan, but it, right. I, I never covered it until I was, um, with red eyes. So, but like 2015 and 2016 had some of the like most exciting artists that I've covered. You know what I mean? Like last year we had Kwaku Collins, Joey, yeah. Burt, Jamila Woods, we had Whitney, we had a great Twin Peaks record. Well, very much like that kind of post-chance wave, for lack of a yeah. better descriptor, where it is like a lot of the closed sessions artists, like sure, yeah. so much of what goes along with that. Mm-hmm. And even kind of like the wave that came with and along and after Twin Peaks and Orwells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're at Red Eye, you're covering local music. What were some of the highlights with that? Like, who did you get to connect with that you got some really great experiences and stories with? Well, I mean... It's really tough because we probably did around close to uh, like thirty cover stories, yeah. which was really great. Um, and very like very hyper local, yeah. cover stories that you weren't really seeing. I know like they had always had that interest in that. It seemed, mm-hmm. but I think it's just it seemed like it was hard to push that through. If I had to guess, I mean, it wasn't it actually wasn't that hard. Like the great thing about Red Eye is that they gave me a lot of freedom to do what I want. Like that's good. Even with a band like that's called Meat Wave, you know, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Shows and like. They were like, sure, let's, when, are we, when are we doing it, you know? Like, there really wasn't that much pushback. I think the only pushback that I can think of was maybe getting rid of, like, the bigger reviews. Like, we mm-hmm. stopped doing album reviews just because no one read them. Like, if you're going to be someone who is, like, a huge fan of Adele, am I going to be the first music writer that you think of? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> like, so it was or just like... Or, like, are you going to be, like, the, the tiebreaker where it's like, I don't know. Right. Do I like Adele or do I not? Or? Well, do I look like a person who has good opinions on Adele? <laughs> Probably not. You know, like, so it was just more like, here's what I'm good at. Right. Like, I'm good at finding these artists and I'm good at talking to them. And I was like, I think if we're going to be a local publication, let's be a local publication. Absolutely. So we got to do a lot of things that I thought were really fun. Um, I think... One of the things that was really cool about that platform and uh, is that all the interviews I do were face-to-face. Yeah. Like, I did probably two or three phoners the entire time. One was, like, Hannibal Burris, which was, like... It's not like you could be like, Hannibal, can you come to Chicago? You know? Sure, <laughs> Just sure, do sure. It. But, like, most of them, it was, like, face-to-face. We would be at a bar, and it would be less of an interview and more as, like, a conversation. And that was always so much better than having, like, a 20-minute like awkward phone call you know well yeah absolutely and like yeah the the face-to-face interviews it's it's such a different world than when you're on the phone with somebody yeah it's night and day it's completely yeah yeah. so what were some of the takeaways that you learned whether it's av whether it's red eye or even now freelancing like what have you learned along your journey as a journalist uh that's a very big broad yeah it, it is um i learned that there's this is a very crowded field you know yes. what i mean and i think I think it's constantly reevaluating what makes a story good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think the biggest thing for me, and it's like, I'm still learning a lot. Like, even after being staff for two years and, like, you know, being longer in my career than most people who start out are. You know what I mean? Um, So, I think the one thing for me is, like, 
in order to be relevant, in order to be a good writer, in order to keep doing it, you have to constantly be excited about the things that you're writing about. Like, burnout is real. Like, yeah. I, there have been multiple times throughout my career where I'm like, I can't do this story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just like trying to think about music in new ways, think about writing in new ways, thinking, think about, like, the album cycle in new ways. You know? Right. It's like, this artist is going to have 16 people doing press on it. You know what I mean? Like, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. How is my interview going to be different? Well, and I think that that brings up a good point, which is, like, at a certain point, sometimes it becomes, like, an echo chamber. Yeah, like if Chance put sure. out, puts out a new video, you're not like, oh, I hope I can find that. Mm-hmm. Because like, there's going to be 30 stories right. that are variations of the same thing. Chance put out a new video. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, if you're creating something unique and doing a lot of interviews like you were, I feel like at least that creates something where it's like, oh, this is an original piece of content, yeah. not just <laughs> news piece. This exists. Mm-hmm. But you already knew that. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's sort of trying to find the right balance between... Writing something that is accessible to everyone, right. but also like shows that like this is a new take or a new perspective on something that you could find really anywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or f- something that you could only find that I was covering. You know? Totally. Yeah. Now, being based in Chicago, like you said, you almost went to New York, but obviously you've stayed in Chicago. Like, yeah. what have been the advantages of of really being hyper local here, being based in Chicago, working with a lot of Chicago companies? seen this up front. Yeah. I think the biggest advantage of being in Chicago is that this music community, everyone knows each other. Yes. You know what I mean? It's a very interconnected community where like even it's not by from it's from genre to genre. Right. Like the rock community knows the rappers, the electronic artists knows the jazz community. You know, right. everyone has there's this really organic infrastructure here that has been really beneficial for someone who is writing about artists. You know what I mean? Like, like there have been so many times throughout my Red Eye career, and even now, like, being freelance where it's like, oh, yeah, you interviewed my friend. You know? Well, sure. Yeah. And we talked to, uh, before the mics round about, like, just even the benefits of Twitter. Yeah, just how exactly. that's brought so much of the community together in a real-world Yeah, I, Yeah, Twitter is great, where it's like, you know, when I started at the AV Club, when I would write something, they have this really awesome commenter community that can also be kind of terrible. Right. Like they would, it would be sure. instant feedback, and Twitter is sort of the same thing, where it's like, to <laughs> have, like, uh, No Name or someone on the cover, and then have all these kids tweeting with, like, the red eye. Right. And they're, you know, like, it was really crazy to see, like, people interacting with my work, and then giving me instant feedback about that, you know? Well, absolutely, yeah. It, like, it, it really gives you, like, uh, I don't know, like a return and a response. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, like, the... I think Chicago's really great for that. I don't know. And not just, like, people knowing each other. Like, the, the community is there, but it's also, like, a cheap city to live in. Yeah. So it's, like, it's, it is the, this uh, oasis, you know, where it's, like, it's a big city, but... You can find an apartment where you only pay $500 rent. Totally. You know and then I mean? that allows you to, like, be a little bit more experimental or, right. you know, like, oh, now I can kind of, like, travel for work if I need to here and there versus, I mean, God bless them, if, like, the people who have to live in, like, or have to. The people who choose to, like, live in New York or L.A., right. it's expensive. And I also feel like, granted, I don't live there, so right. I, this might be me, but from my friends who do live in New York... There isn't that sort of sense of community like we're all in this together. Well, it's so it's huge. much more cutthroat and it's much huger and huger and it's much more like spread out. Right. Where here it's like 
you know, like you'll have like a rap, like it's always funny when like artists that I've done um, interviews on go into their show and the shows them and seeing other artists, you right. know, <laughs> even yeah. like not really connected artists, you know, it's, it's great. It's a great well, yeah. feeling. And you go to like a shoe buzz or an East room mm-hmm. or G man or something. And yeah, you right. see the same faces. Yeah. Um, so now that you're doing the freelance thing, you're post red eye, what have you learned about this? Uh, I guess about being freelance and like how have you approached it and, and what have you found that works? And I don't know. I'm interested in your take yeah. on like the freelance life. I think for me it was really kind of difficult because I mean initially when you when you work for a single publication for two years, right? You think in terms of that publication, right? You know what I mean? Like there there's no way that I can like do the exact same kind of writing that I did at Red Eye. Because Red Eye was a local focus publication, and I'm writing for, like, sites like Noisy now, which is, like, national focus. So it's, like, it doesn't make sense for me to be, like, to write it in the same style. Right. You know? And so the first thing I wrote, I uh, sent it in. I was really nervous. It was an assignment Noisy gave me. It was uh, for that rapper, Valet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then so I wrote it, and then I sent it in. And then they're like, this is really good. You wrote a really great Red Eye story. Right. And I'm like, you're right. And so it was like, and then I rewrote it, and then that's what became the feature, you know? Right. But it was like, for me to be like, you're right. Like, I need to think about my work separate from the publication I once wrote for. It kind of sounds know? like when you get out of like a two-year relationship, and you're like, oh, I got to learn how to date all of Yeah, where it's like you start dating and then say your ex's name. Right, like, like you're bringing to the same yeah. restaurant, the same, <laughs> yeah, totally. Exactly, yeah. And so, <laughs> but what was good for me is taking that month off, you know, for me to be like, um, to, like, I just was like, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to read. I'm going to listen to a lot of music that I haven't heard before and just sort of veg out for a month. Well, yeah. And that was, yeah. And, like, if I hadn't have done that and just gotten straight back into writing, the things that I would have published would not have been, like, up to my standards. That sounds like it would have been challenging. Yeah, it would have been. And it wouldn't, like, taking, like, anyone who leaves a job after a long time needs to, like, take stock. And sure. sort of just like sit back and be like, all right, why am I doing this? You know? Yeah. So the one big thing for me is like thinking about stories that interest me rather than like, like if there's a story that interests me, I'm going to find a publication that is also interested in that story. Yeah. So like being freelance has been incredibly freeing for that reason. You know what I mean? Where I'm like, is this a story that would be suited for the AV club? Yes. Right. I'll pitch it to them or noisy, you know? And I think. Like, shout out to Noisy. Like, they were the first people to reach out to me, like, instantaneously. And yeah. I've always been a huge fan of what they've accomplished. And it's well, really Noisy, awesome to write for them. they seem like a cool site, and they just launched a feature with Fake Shore Drive now. And yeah. it's like, it seems like they're... I definitely feel like Chicago is getting kind of its, like, recognition oh, in absolutely. a lot of outside cities. Yeah, it's, it's really cool to um, experience that. Because, like... Most of the music writing jobs are in New York or LA, right? Yeah, yeah especially yeah. New York. So um, I and also like, yeah, just and because there's so many acts that are popping out of Chicago, you know, people are looking <laughs> like looking at us. Yeah, know? well, and I feel like this has happened before. I mean, we talk about this on this podcast a lot, but mm-hmm. it's like it really reminds me of that moment. And I wasn't even like in the mix for it. I was too young, but I've read about it in like what's akin to the history books, where it's like the reader articles about 1994 and stuff where sure. Chicago was dubbed the next Seattle and everyone was looking for the next 
you know, Smashing Pumpkins or right. Overkill. And yeah. now it feels like everybody is kind of looking at Chicago and like, all right, well, there's Chance and there was this awesome list. Who's next? What else is there? I think it's, it's, it's also, yeah, it, it, I think the attention's there, but you see all these artists trying to be independent and yes. being independent. You know what I mean? Which is not easy. It isn't, but no. I think Chance has laid the groundwork for a lot of folks where it's like, we don't need to sign a deal right now, or we can mm-hmm. just keep doing it, or we can just like, I don't know, find the right deal for us. Where it's right. like, I feel like the industry has changed so much where it's become way more democratized than it was right. in 93 or 94, you know? Yeah. So well, and there's not, can be There's bands. not near yeah. as much money to go around either, exactly. so it's not even like it's that enticing. Right. I don't yeah. think like there's going to be any band where, where we look back on in like 10 years where it's like, oh, they were just trying to get a deal. You no. know what I mean? No, like, not at not this the, time. That's not, the, that's not right. the incentive at this point. So now that you're freelance, you're writing for some new outlets, um, what's on deck for you? What are you excited about coming up? Like, what can you talk about? Well, yeah, I'm, this is actually kind of a crazy week. So, like, I did, a, I did an interview on Thursday, wrote something today, mm-hmm. have an interview on Monday and an interview on Tuesday. I don't know if I can, like, divulge what they are, but I will say that, like, I'm really excited that, like, I'm back at it and doing it again. Yeah, you're in the mix. You're keeping And busy. I think um, there's a lot of great Chicago music. Like, it didn't, it hasn't stopped or slowed down at all. No, um, no, no, no. It's not waiting for anybody. <laughs> like, I'm so excited for Knox Fortune's project. Mm-hmm. Um, he was obviously the uh, producer of Leather Chords and the executive sure. producer of Kami and Joey Perp's records. And he has his solo output. He's kind of like Chicago's Beck. Right, it's yeah, yeah, crazy. he's doing We're really like, cool stuff. Yeah, and um, there's another Chicago band called Deeper that mm-hmm. I really love. Um, they kind of feel like the little brother band of Nehi. Sort and of the Nehi, same, and they're who all are doing friends. cool stuff, yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, yeah, I was hoping to do a story on them. <laughs> <laughs> there's still an opportunity, but uh, yeah. that record was great, yeah. Right on, man. Well, um, people can follow you on Twitter. It seems like that's the best place to keep yeah. up with what you're doing. What's the Twitter handle? Uh, it's Josh H. Terry. Josh uh, H. Terry. The H is for my middle name. People just, you would be surprised how many people think that like I spell my name with two H's. Like you're like very. <laughs> Josh. Yes. <Yeah. laughs> my parents were hippies. No, they weren't. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, dude, yeah. this is awesome. Yeah. Thanks so I much, love man. It. Absolutely. I'm glad we got to do this. I'm glad we got you on a panel. And honestly, I've been I've been thinking in my mind that I want to do some kind of like freelance panel or workshop sometime in the next near months. Yeah. I would love to get you on that if you were down. Yeah, this is new to me too, so I may not be able to to be the best person to ask about like tax stuff. <laughs> well, I'm no, still no, figuring that. that out. But I, I but think yeah, pitching is definitely like something that I feel like I'm okay at. The, at I think point. we're just entering a period where like more and more creative, especially on the younger end. Yeah. They're just entering kind of like a pitch-only employment it's, model. It's almost. the gig economy. It is. It's yeah, kinda, it's kind of messed up. But, you know, it works sometimes. Yeah, yeah. there's. Yeah, yeah, it works sometimes. <laughs> the gig economy. Yeah. It works yeah. sometimes. Shout out late capitalism. Yeah, yeah exactly, man. Um, but we'll do more. You know, yeah, the mic's absolutely. always on for you, man. I'd love to have you on again. It's but always great you again to be for here. Coming up. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Absolutely, Josh cool. Terry. Thank you. Thanks. You've been listening to a production of Dynasty Podcast. Find more Dynasty Podcasts at DynastyPodcast.com. For the Dynamic Dynasty, Dynasty Descend.